on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. edition of Through the Smoke, Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined as always by Gabby Rutia. This is your official Virginia Tech preview pod. Big game for both programs, both looking to snap a three-game skid on Saturday, 1230. Check your local listings because it's not on it's, it's a regional televised game, so might even be on PBS or Comedy Central. Or No, I'm joking, but you gotta, <laughs> you're going to have to go find it. I think in South Florida, it'll be on Bally Sports. Um, but nationally, you just got to track down where they're going to be showing it if you are outside of South Florida. Uh, before we get into some Virginia Tech talk, we want to start with a recruiting minute. And Gabby, not too much on the news front with recruiting, but um, 24-7 Sports did update their recruiting rankings. Some slight tweaks, slight adjustments to Miami commits and targets. And so I just want to touch on those, have a discussion about those. Um, Really, we don't need to go too in-depth on it. It's just kind of like highlighting some of the moves. But uh, at the top of the list, Francis Maui Goa, Moves up, I believe, from, was it 10 or 11? Yeah, to 11. Number, to number eight. Uh, so that's good. Top 10 guy. Robert Stafford, the cornerback commit, up from 185 to 168. Um, Bobby Washington, still a three-star, the linebacker commit. Yeah. Uh, but got a pretty significant bump in that three-star range. Tommy Kinsler, offensive line commit. Got a nice little bump in that three-star range as well. Um, Let's stay with the commits, just those bumps. We'll get into the other stuff uh, after that. But just your thoughts on those bumps for the Miami commits, Gabby. Yeah, um, I I mean, well-deserved. I mean, I think it was good to see Francis Malagoa, uh, you know, kind of. I mean, really, those top spots are so, you know, I, I... I mean, to yeah. move when you're the number there's 11 ranked player, yeah, to. there's not there's not much room to increase. So, I mean, I think that that's a pretty, pretty big, honestly, jump for Francis to even move up three spots. Because imagine you're ready. You're talking about the elite of the elite at this point. So I think, you know, for the talent evaluators to see, hey, Francis Malagoa is is, you know, worthy of being a top 10 player. You know, we think that he's better than, you know, or potentially has a brighter future than, you know, some of these other elite prospects. I think that's always good to see those elite guys continue to you know, climb that ladder, even though there's not much, much more room to go. Um, one spot behind Caden Proctor, who's the Iowa uh, five-star offensive line com- lineman commit. Okay. It seems like a one, a one B type of situation. I mean, they stacked them right next to each other. I think it's like right. a seven and eight. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of a, you know, preference thing at that point, like, Hey, maybe this guy or this guy. So in the conversation to be the top offensive tackle in the country, uh, Robert Stafford's a big one, man. I mean, yeah. David, I know you're a huge fan of what you've seen from him his senior year. Go watch his huddle. Everyone yeah, it's is really, it is really impressive. And to see him get, you know, a, pre- a pretty significant jump. I mean, what is it? Uh, 17 spots. Um, you know, that's again, and he was already the number 185 player in the country. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that kind of get moved around a little bit. So to, to, to take those leaps, uh, you know, at this point of the evaluation process is a pretty big deal. So, uh, definitely like those. And then, you know, Bobby Washington is a guy that's, you know, kind of proven it on Friday nights that he can that he can play and, uh, you know, getting closer, you know, definitely in that high three star range, which is a respectable ranking. Yes. You know, people kind of see three stars and kind of put this blanket statement. Oh, he's a three star. Well, there's a different variety of three stars. And, you know, Bobby Washington is definitely on the higher end of that three star range. Tommy Kinsler can say the same about him now that he's an 87 up from an 85. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so he's another guy that, you know, I think that people, 
that people kind of like. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think all around, you know, those are, those are four quality bumps for, for Miami. And then there are some Miami commits that dropped. Uh, yeah. Raul Aguirre dropped out of the top 247 down from 190. So he was ranked 191, uh, but Raul is still a four-star. Uh, Malik Bryant down from 90 to 135. And then Jaden Wayne down from 36 to 61. So, you know, these are drops. Um, they, you know, I think all four guys or all three of those guys are still fairly uh, graded out and ranked. Um, but this is just the minor tweaks and minor shuffles that happen during the course of the evaluation process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I, I mean, I, I feel like if you kind of, you know, these guys were grinding out a lot of senior tape. And I think if you watch, you know, some of these guys, I mean, it, I think it's, I think it's pretty fair across the board. Um, you know, so, I mean, I don't really want to get too there's, much into that, but yeah, there's yeah. others too that other Miami commits that drop just due to the fact that guys jumped them in the right. rankings. Right. So when you, when a guy jumps ahead, yeah, that, that, um, bumps you back, but is that necessarily a quote unquote drop to me? It's not, but technically by the definition of the word, some guys did, uh, scoot back a couple of spots, scoot back because guys leapfrogged them. So, um, Miami targets, uh, worth noting too, that moved up in the rankings. Um, some guys that Miami's definitely in the mix with, just run through it here with real quick. Venice defensive end Damon Wilson up to 26 from 39 in the country. Jordan Hall, the defensive tackle out of Jacksonville area, uh, up from 61 to 51. Damari Brown, the local cornerback from American Heritage, up to 193 from 240. Collins Akiampong, the Michigan commit defensive end with uh, impressive tools. Up to 220, he was outside of the top 247. Micah Mays, who Miami's, uh, he's a Wake Forest commit, and Miami's about to make a significant push to try and flip him. He was outside of the top 247. He was a four-star, but now he is inside the top 247, making a pretty big jump up to 178. Yeah. And then the last guy, well, two more. Tayshawn Lyons up to one, up to 233. He's the California Wide receiver, Bay Area guy, Miami's uh, starting to get more involved with seriously. And then Ruben Bain, the local defensive lineman that is a significant, significant, significant target for Miami the cycle, up from 130 to 97. So he's now a top 100 player. Which one of those kind of jumps out at you, Gabby? Yeah, I mean, a few of them. I, I, I mean, let's start with uh, let's start with Damari Brown. I mean, I think that that is a worthy uh, jump for him. I mean, kind of watching him over the course of his uh, senior year. I think the question is always like, oh, maybe he's a safety. Not, right. not really sure if he's a corner. I mean, I think he's proved that he can man up and and play and, you know, kind of cover some outside guys. I mean, watching him against Jeremiah Smith who's the 2024 five-star. I mean, I thought that was an excellent game for him outside of really the last play of the game that kind of ended it where, you know, he kind of just missed on it. He just couldn't finish wrapping him up. And uh, Jeremiah Smith went 87 yards for a touchdown, but he had three pass breakups in that game. Two of them were in the end zone, uh, was really, really kind of, you know, locked down uh, Jeremiah Smith uh, uh, for a good portion of, of that night. Um, so I think Damari Brown has proven that he is, he is kind of one of those types of dudes. And so I excited about that jump. Um, and then, re, I mean, two guys that you kind of mentioned also that are kind of new. And I think that their names that Miami fans really need to kind of get familiar with. I mean, it's Micah Mays who is debuting at number 178 overall. I mean, this is a guy that Miami is, is really, really high on. And, you know, this is a guy that, as David, you know, you said that they're actively working to flip from Wake Forest. Um, you know, so I think that's absolutely someone that, you know, people are going to want to know. He's actually traveling down from Palm Beach uh, down to Miami-Dade County. He's going to play at Tropical Park here on Thursday at 3.30 p.m. So I'll be out there to watch him. So excited to watch that. And then Tayshawn Lyons. I was kind of trading some messages with him last night. No official word on if he's going to get down for an official visit on October 22nd. Uh, like he okay. mentioned, but, uh, you know, he says that he's in the process of trying to set something up. So, uh, I think that's something to look forward to. And, 
you know, I think those are, I think those are two big jumps, two big evals that Miami's made recently that have been kind of affirmed by the eyes of the people over at 24 seven sports who have been ranking these guys. Yeah. The recruiting ranking process is a ongoing process. Tweaks are made throughout the cycle and, uh, you know, agree or disagree. You know, I think the guys at 24 seven sports do their best to, uh, rank it as accurately as possible. They put a lot of work into it and, uh, you know, again, agree or disagree. I think they do a good job. So, uh, let's dive into some Virginia tech talk. Well, actually, before we do that, I want to ask you this Ruben yeah. Bain. Yeah. Uh, seems to be a little bit of Auburn buzz right now, which is kind of head scratching because, yeah. you know, Brian Harson is going to get fired at some point in the next two months. Um, I think Ruben Bain even got a crystal ball prediction here from an Auburn writer. Um, you know, look, we don't throw shade at any writer in the 24 seven sports network. That's not what we do uh, to put in a crystal ball. There has to be some reason from the Auburn side of things, some, yeah. some reasons of optimism. So what do you make of this Auburn buzz with Ruben Bain right now? Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, right? It does seem like Auburn's NIL collective or whatever it is, seems to maybe have their ducks in a row. Um, Auburn does have some ties to the South Florida area. Um, you know, a lot of the central, uh, the Miami central coaches, you know, are affiliated with, uh, you know, that DEFCON seven on seven program, a person that's extremely affiliated in that is junior Rose green. Um, you know, some people, he was a defensive, I mean, he's been, he's been coaching in the South Florida area for a long time. I believe he's from here. Um, he played at Auburn. I think he has a lot of connections over there. Uh, if a, a few weeks ago, Ruben Bain, a bunch of the kids that play on DEF CON, not all the kids played on DEF CON, but a lot of like the DEF CON kind of group, they went up to Auburn. They're on the sidelines. Stan Juan Clark was there who obviously plays with the Miami Immortals. Edwin Joseph plays for South Florida Express. Uh, those types of guys. But then a lot of the DEF CON people were, you know, in the planes, on the sidelines, taking photos, all that stuff. There seems to be some sort of DEF CON you know, maybe I'm not saying that there's a tie or anything like that, but right. I do believe that there's maybe some relationships there. And again, with right. all the, with a lot of the central coaches, you know, maybe affiliated with that and, you know, junior Rose greens ties to Auburn. I could see why, you know, Auburn could, you know, potentially find some footing in South Florida. Uh, I, I think a crystal ball could be a little bit premature. Um, you know, again, I think there's a long way to go. I was checked. I was checking in with some Miami sources, uh, you know, I don't think I think that they understand that this recruitment, you know, could potentially, you know, be up in the air. Maybe there's like a lot of different things going on as there typically are these days. But I think that they still feel confident that, you know, by the time, you know, at the time that yeah. the dust settles, that they're still going to be in great position to, to, you know, potentially land Ruben Bain. I think he's obviously got to watch for Auburn. You got to watch for Alabama. He's going to be up at Florida State this weekend. Louisville is in the mix there, too. He I know Oklahoma is somewhere around. Not sure how much of of a factor they really are, but a lot of things to consider here. And I do think that, uh, you know, that is a part of the reason why maybe some people at Auburn are feeling like, Hey, maybe we have a chance because they, there seems to be some connections to the South Florida area between, uh, you know, Auburn and, and, uh, you know, those guys. Yeah. And I think Ruben Bain's recruitment is going to be a December decision, you know? Um, and I, I do think he's a high priority target for Miami which doesn't always mean that Miami's going to land that guy. But I do say that because Mario Cristobal is going to fight like crazy to land Ruben Bain. So right. all that to say, still a long ways to go in this recruitment. Um, before we get into Virginia Tech talk, I want to just mention some construction happening near the house. So if you hear tractors or loud noises like that. My apologies. That's what's going on, but we are pushing through. Um, Virginia Tech. So let's start with the offense, just kind of highlight what they are, Gabby. Right now they're averaging 332 off or 332 yards per game, which ranks 111th in the country, 20 points per game, which ranks 115th in the country. On third down, they're averaging 34.1% uh, conversion rate. So 
and and that ranks 102nd in the country. So, uh, you know, big picture wise, not a good offense right now at Virginia Tech. Um, from a system standpoint, they're they're pretty multiple. Um, I think who was it? Did Kevin Steele say on Monday that that from a system standpoint they're kind of similar to what Miami is? Yeah. I think that shows on tape, you know, yeah. kind of a similar power spread type of offense um, from a schematic standpoint. Um, but yeah, let's get into the personnel. And I think we got, you always got to start with the quarterback, Grant Wells. He is a Marshall transfer with plenty of experience. Um, currently throws, he's totaled 1,260 yards with six touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's averaging 6.2 yards per attempt. He's not really a run threat, but he does enough in that phase to keep you honest. He's rushed for 113 yards and two touchdowns. He's run for seven first downs, which is the second most on the team amongst the rushers. So um, he's not a statue, but he's not necessarily a guy that – you know, you got to key in on in the run game in situations. You got to be aware of him as a runner, but overall Grant Wells from what you watched of Virginia tech, what are your thoughts on the quarterback? Yeah. um, I mean, not like overly impressed. Um, I think going from Drake may to to Grant Wells is, is kind of a a pleasant transition. Uh, He can definitely throw it. I mean, he has his kind of go-to guys that it feels like he, he kind of leans on. Um, you know, I do think that when there's kind of pressure in his face, he can just kind of like, you know, throw it up and, and kind of hope that it gets to his guy, which gets him in trouble. You see the high interception numbers, uh, seven already on the year to his six touchdowns. Um, you know, again, he's a guy that comes in with a lot of experience and, you know, he played some, some quality, solid football over at Marshall before making his way over here. So he definitely has some arm talent. But um, don't feel like it's all kind of come together for him yet. Not really putting up like any big time numbers. Uh, so I'm not super like, you know, I'm, it's not it's, again, it's not like Drake May last week where I'm just like, well, if you kind of flush him out of the pocket, I mean, he could beat you on the run. Like, I feel like the key to Grant Wells is is kind of just giving him some of that pressure, making make him make some of those tough throws uh, because it seems like he is a, a turnover candidate. Like it's a guy that, you know, can be a little bit, you know, reckless with the ball so uh you know he again he has some he has some guys and you know on the outside that he can get the ball to but nothing world changing in my opinion yeah i think he's hurt you know grant wells as a quarterback his production and his ability is hurt by what he's surrounded with at virginia tech it's we'll get into it here but it's not the most impressive skill group that he's working with um i do think you know, he's not a guy that doesn't have arm talent. He can make all the throws. Um, but yeah, he, he does at times see things a little late. He does at times force throws. And you're right, in in pressure situations, you know, yeah, I mean, he's not Drake May. So, but not anyone else on this schedule is going to be Drake May with that right. type of stuff. I guess, you know, Jordan Travis is decent as a runner. Um, when he scrambles away from pressure, um, running the ball, not, not an extremely impressive bunch there. Keyshawn King, uh, he's run for 257 yards and two touchdowns. He's a five foot 11, 180 pound back. He's kind of a slasher back. Um, you know, I think. I think they should give him more opportunities, quite frankly. Uh, But it's probably due to a combination of he's kind of slight and their run blocking is a little inconsistent. But, you know, he's he's dangerous enough, but, you know, he's not necessarily the scariest lead back you're going to see this year. Yeah. I I mean, another guy, I feel like they just got back Malachi Thomas. I think he led the team in rushing in this last game against Pitt. He had 84 yards and a touchdown. I, I believe that was his season debut. So, um, I mean, I would expect them to start mixing him in uh, a little bit more as well to kind of compliment Keyshawn King. 
Uh, they have a couple other guys they go to um, that his last name is Dukes. He's a freshman that they kind of gave a decent, they've given some carries to in the past. Um, but I think Malachi Thomas, Keyshawn King are probably going to be their two guys. And, um, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think the running game is super, you know, I, I, it's not something I'm, I'm definitely circling uh, for them. I don't know if they have like those guys with like, you know, big, big time playmaking ability, but uh, I think you definitely got to, you know, be concerned about it a little bit. And uh, again, what Malachi Thomas kind of uh, brings to them, I think gives them a little bit more of something. So um, I think he's probably, he might be a name to know on that offense as well. From a pass catcher perspective, you know, I think there's really one name to know, and that's Caleb Smith, who's coming off his best game of his career against Pittsburgh. He's a six foot two, 222 pound receiver, kind of a contested catch guy. He doesn't have any drops this year. He's caught seven of 10 contested catch targets this year. And against Pittsburgh, he, uh, he threw, he, he, he totaled 154 yards. So he's kind of their go-to guy when the passing game does get going. Um, But really up into that Pittsburgh game, you know, it wasn't like he was having a dominant season. But against Pittsburgh, that might be the start of him and Grant Wells finding some chemistry. What did you think of Caleb in that game? Yeah, no, I mean, I thought he was great. You know, he he put up, you know, he again, he's kind of we talk about like quarterbacks and their safety blankets. I think that's definitely Grant Wells' go to guy. Um, I feel like even in other, in other games, uh, you know, again, when, when things kind of break down, he's kind of looking for Caleb Smith on the field. That's worked out at times of other times. It wasn't, I think uh, against West Virginia, uh, we, I mean, Jacoby spells is the name that our podcast listeners should be pretty familiar with West Virginia generates some pressure. He tries to just throw it like find Caleb Smith throws at throws it at him. Uh, Jacoby spells, picks it off, returns it for a touchdown in the second half. So I, I think that that's his guy. Uh, Caleb Smith to me is, is, is the dude to circle uh, for Miami for those, for that secondary, because, you know, if he kind of has a repeat performance of what he did against Pitt, uh, you know, he can be problematic. You mentioned the size and the, and all that stuff, the ability to just go up and make a play. And I feel like that's something that has, you know, that type of, skill set is something that has kind of hurt Miami in the past. I don't know if he's that burner type. He's not the guy that's probably right. going to, you know, beat you over the top for, you know, 50, 60 yards, but he can definitely chunk his way down the field. And he is a, he is a big body to take down. So Miami's got to be ready, got to be ready to tackle and, and to cover. So Caleb Smith is definitely the guy for me. Yeah. And from, uh, who, who are the other guys? Is there anyone else you would highlight? Um, their tight end Gallo. I guess it's, yeah. he's not like a dynamic tight end, but he's second on the team in targets. And I think you got to know about him situationally. And then their other receiver last name is blue. I think his first yeah. name's Jawan. Jo- yeah. He is, like he's a temple transfer. So he, he was productive at temple, not quite productive right now. Again, you know, at Virginia tech, but he's a guy to, to know as well. So you know, again, it, it's kind of a limited bunch from a skill talent standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, offensive line wise, you know, I think there's, I would characterize their offensive line as uh, average. I don't think it's bad, but I also don't think it's nothing special. And I think in general, they're they're kind of similar to Miami in that they're they're probably more consistent in pass protection than they yeah. are imposing their will in the run game. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I, I would, I put like the, just kind of going through PFF, put together like side by side, the Virginia tech offensive line, the Miami offensive line. And I think there are, you know, at least from a, you know, grading out standpoint, I feel like there are a lot of similarities where Virginia tech's definitely more comfortable in pass blocking Miami's same deal. Miami's kind of ro- struggled to run block Virginia tech struggled to run block a little bit as well. So um, you know, I do like, you know, that I, I do think that this could be a game where Miami's defensive front could, uh, you know, just potentially cause some havoc, uh, not really having to blitz a ton of guys. I just saw a stat on Twitter. I don't know how reliable it is, but it was uh, like one of those random accounts that just talked about like the teams that have generated the most pressure with just four man rushes. Okay. And Miami is the only team in the country that's generated over 40 percent or generate pressure on over 40% of snaps that 
they wow. only rush with four guys. So um, I would have to probably double check and like, you know, fact check that. No, but, but Miami's D line is playing yeah. well. Yeah. So, you know, I do think that this is a game where they can, you know, kind of, you know, kind of get rolling again. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how those guys kind of perform against this offensive line, especially in the run game. I think you want to try to make Virginia Tech one dimensional. If you could stop that run, kind of force Grant Wells into those passing situations where there's just not a lot of juice on that offense. I think that's one way that, you know, Miami wins this game. What about from a coverage standpoint? What what do you feel comfortable with Miami playing uh, coverage wise? Because, you know, we've seen a lot of, you know, Kevin Steele's had to figure out what this back seven can do. Um, and there's always going to be um, changes during the course of a game. You don't want to show an offense the same coverage the entire game. But for me, Gabby, I'll say this. Like, I, I do think if I'm Kevin Steele, I'm either playing cover two man or I'm just straight up playing zones. I do think until these safeties prove particularly Cam Kitchens, and I think Cam's a good player, just for whatever reason, he's he's having some issues with some miscommunications. Um, until these safeties prove, like, you know, you can trust them to not play too high, uh, you know, that shell up top, I think you have to keep doing it because, you know, look, this Virginia Tech offense is not explosive and it's not, overly efficient and so i think you just want to kind of contain them make them work their way down the field and eventually grant wells is going to turn the ball over or at least that's what he's shown to this point um and also i think you look at their top guy caleb smith their their wide receiver in my opinion i think either dj ivy or tyreek stevenson has the skill set to man him up oh, for sure because he's not a burner, right? Yeah. He is. It's a good matchup for Miami's corners in that way. Yeah, no, and and that's why I do think that maybe if Kevin Steele wants to kind of play some man, I mean, I could see a situation where that works out because, again, I do like Caleb Smith. I do think that he's a solid receiver, but he's yes. also not that game breaker. You know, I don't think this Virginia Tech offense has many guys, if really any, who are going to be like you know you have to worry about them once the ball's in their hand. You know, they're right. super slippery. You know, I feel like even like the tight ends are kind of like catch and drop guys. They're not going to like, you know, break off or even like, you know, 10, 12 yards after the catch. Like they don't have a lot. So I'm keeping everything. I mean, I think you can man up. You can create pressure, kind of force those guys to make plays because, you know, again, you want you obviously want to you need to protect your your secondary just because of the miscommunications, just because the way they've gotten beat in the past. I don't think you just fully just you know, just bail, not, not bail out, but just kind of like put those guys on an Island and say, Hey, you need to be able to cover these guys. I think you got to give them some help early on. If you see they're kind of holding their own and you feel like you can start throwing in some different looks. I think you try to do that because, uh, you know, again, I don't think that they're, I don't think Virginia tech has the, the personnel, uh, you know, at, yeah. at wide out that, you know, should be beating you or, you know, giving you a hard time or, you know, taking you downfield or stacking these corners or anything like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what exactly they come out with, but, you know, I do think that this is a game where Kevin Steele could be like, Hey, you guys got a man up and you got to just kind of do it, you know? Right. Virginia tech's defense, um, is the strength of their team. Yeah. They are allowing 26 points per game which is 67th in the country, 341 yards per game, which is 36th in the country. Third down, they're, they're elite right yeah. now, uh, allowing 27.4% conversion rate, which is number nine overall in the country. They're an aggressive front, uh, lots of movement and pressures in the front seven. Uh, 7.2 tackles for loss per game, which ranks 17th in the country right now. So, um, you know, Miami's offensive line is going to have to be on point with their communication and uh, handle the pressures. And yeah, let's, uh, and, and I, I think on the back end, you know, Virginia Tech, I, I think their top corner, Dorian Strong, is probably going to be out. He's missed the last couple games with the hand injury. And I, I believe he's still expected to be out this week. Um, so if he, if he is a go, then that's a big boost for Virginia tech secondary, but even without him, I think their corners are good 
Yeah. Um, their DBs are good. That's just kind of what Virginia Tech does year in and year out. Um, and they're an experienced group. All you know, at all three levels, mm -hmm. they have guys. They have four-year guys. They have guys that have played over 2,500 defensive snaps in their careers. Um, so they've seen a lot of football. But um, let's discuss the players to know. When you watch their defense, Gabby, who jumps out at you? Yeah, I mean, I think the guy that kind of drives that defense is, is Dax Hollyfield, right? I mean, he's leading the team, 47 middle tackles. Linebacker. Yeah, the middle linebacker. Um, they'll drop him back into coverage. He has three pass breakups on the year. He also has a team uh, tied for the team high, four tackles for loss. He has a sack. He has two uh, two fumble recoveries. Uh, I feel like he's kind of like the face of the of that defense. I believe that's the guy that they took with them to the ACC media days. So someone that represents the program. I mean, I think it kind of it starts with him, his leadership, and and the way he kind of approaches it. I mean, I think he's kind of one of those you know, do it all type of guys for them. You know, the, a strong middle linebacker, a guy that can, you know, can definitely play, uh, you know, with some of the ACC's best. So I think Dax Hollyfield is, is, is one of the, is one of the premier players, you know, on that Virginia tech defense. And I do think that there are others. I mean, he's yeah. just the one that kind of gets it going for them. I think Shamari Connor is also good. He's kind of like their yeah. star, you know, yeah. he's like their safety that plays in the box and is, basically like a linebacker that can cover in the slot as well. Um, but yeah, those two guys, Connor and Hollyfield, they've played those. I said, the guys that have played basically 2,500 defensive snaps in their careers. Those are the two guys that have done that on the line, on the defensive line. I think their defensive tackles are, are solid. Um, they're not like uh, war daddies or anything like that, right. but you know, they're, they're like, like if I was going to, put it in a Miami hurricanes type of context. They got like three or four guys that are like Nesta Silvera types that are like six, one, 300 yeah. can play quick. Um, but also can get redirected at times as well. Um, but you got Josh Fuga, Mario Kendricks, Nor Norrell Pollard. They can get in the backfield and create some havoc at times. Um, and then, you know, I think their edge guys are solid. I don't think it's anything extremely dynamic from a pass rushing front. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like, the, you know, the sack numbers have been like all there. But I mean, I do think they have guys that, again, kind of just generate pressure. I mean, just kind of going through it. Mario Kendricks, 11. CJ McCrary, who's one of their edge guys, 12. And Taiwan uh, Garba has and he has 10. So they got three different guys who have who've generated 10 or more pressures on the year. Um, just like from a Miami perspective, only Akeem Mesador and Jafari have 10. Uh, so I do think that they have got, again, I, th I just think it's an active front, right? Like they can kind of get after it. And that's why I'm saying like, this is a Virginia tech defense. And it's like, you're kind of looking at them on paper and it's like, yeah, you know what? They gave up, you know, 320 something rushing yards, six touchdowns to, uh, yeah. uh, Abbey Canada last week against Pitt. But I mean, this is, this is an active group that, you know, kind of plays hard. I mean, I feel like they kind of run, like the motor runs they hot. Do. They kind of get after it. Um, so I, again, I don't feel like this is just a layup. You know, you're going to look at the, you look, you're just looking at the box scores. You're looking at across their schedule and it's like, oh, they lost to West Virginia. They lost to North. They got blown out by North Carolina. And, uh, well, you know, they I got do want to go into this though, because yeah. like, I do think their defense is their strength. So yeah. don't get me wrong. And I think their defense is, I would say, I would say it's above average group. Um, but I do think their numbers, some of their defensive numbers, I think are a little inflated from playing some really bad offenses in the first half of their season. So old dominion, one of the worst offenses in the country, yeah. Boston college, honestly might be a worse ACC yeah. offense than Virginia tech. Yeah. They gave up four rushing yards in that game. Uh, Virginia tech did. Yeah. 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 Boston college has significant issues on the yeah. offensive line. That was like, still, an, that was still like an astounding number when I came across it. I was right. just like, Oh wow. I mean, remember how that season played out. So Virginia tech lost their opener to the mid yeah, yeah, yeah. came back and handled Boston college. So yeah. that kind of tells you what you need to know. And Boston college, I don't know. The ACC is just, yeah, they, is. they won a game recently, didn't they? But uh, I think they did. And then, you know, their other game is Wofford, who was their yeah. 
FCS opponent. So right. um, as we've seen them step up in competition the last few weeks, you mentioned West Virginia, North Carolina, and Pitt. Um, in those three games, Virginia Tech is giving up an average of 39 points per game and 481 yards per game. So, you know, I don't think they're that bad. I wouldn't expect that Virginia Tech defense this week, but I do think it's somewhere in the middle of like right. where, where they rank right now. And, you know, these recent three game stretch. And also too, one thing to note is this game is in Lane stadium. And so yeah. a defense is going to feed off that crowd energy. Um, and I think momentum wise, that's, that's something Miami has to be prepared for when going against Virginia tech's defense this week. Yeah. I think uh, the only thing that makes me scared that, that just keeps me ske- uh, skeptical is just like North Carolina it was supposed to be like this really bad run defense, all that stuff. And then they sure. just looked like a bunch of superstars uh, yeah, against Miami absolutely. last week. So I do think that it could be a similar tale where, you know, yeah, maybe Virginia tech just got gutted, uh, you know, by yeah. Pittsburgh, but is Miami going to have that same impact? Maybe, maybe they can, or again, maybe it's not to that extreme. I'm not expecting a 300 yard performance, uh, but can Miami find that 150, 160 yard right. range? I think that's going to be a big question because, uh, you know, they are obviously one dimensional in that North yeah. Carolina game. And Josh Gaddis clearly wants to run the ball more after hearing him at his press conference. Right. Yeah. I, I think, so there was some run fit issues with Israel Abanacanda in that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this too. Like to me, Abanacanda, he made some stuff happen. He looks good this year. Oh like, yeah. Last year I was kind of just like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. But I, I think this year he's taken a step up and he's yeah. got more twitch to his game. Sure. He's, he was pulling away. Oh yeah. From, from Virginia tech's DBs, you know, yeah. on those and, long runs. And even what I think it was like the second one that he was kind of like stuffed. Like he had, he had like three yeah. guys grabbing him. He bad just kind of broke out of the pack. Yeah. yeah. The, the bad tackling is, is like the, those lapses and tackling and things like that is something that I do think Virginia tech struggles with at times, which is why. And then the run fits, you talk about the run fits and you see those, those gaping at the holes edges open. too. Yeah. In particular. Yeah. They just open up so wide and it's just like, I mean, you can, I mean, me, me as a bowling ball I could probably pick up five or six from those we've, holes. So we've kind of seen to how, you know, in these, in the first half of these three games, West Virginia, North Carolina pit, this defense plays tough Yeah, and, and they keep the game somewhat close. And then it, for whatever reason, in the second half, things just kind of fall apart Yeah. and Virginia tech or sorry, uh, Pittsburgh, North Carolina and West Virginia kind of pull away comfortably yeah. during the course of the second half. So I would kind of expect that this week with Miami, you know, def- Virginia tech's defense plays tough in the first half and, you know, it's going to be up to Miami too. Cause I think the reason why, teams pull away in the second half is that's that that's that talent difference you know the more talented team eventually just pulls away one thing i want to highlight too with virginia tech is the penalty yardage they're, they're kind of a highly penalized team right now um averaging 70 yards per game in penalties which ranks 114th um so just something to keep an eye on miami's actually been pretty pretty good this year in penalties um in terms of yardage and, and flags thrown. Let's take a break there, and then we'll get into what we think about this game from a Miami perspective, matchup perspective, and of course, give our worthless prediction going into the game. All right, we are back. First thing I think to touch on, Gabby, here is, is the injury updates. Um, Mario Cristobal on Wednesday informed the media that it sounds like Ja'Kai Clark is good to go. Sounds like Tyreek Stevenson is good to go, which I think, again, I think that's big for this game in terms of matching up with Caleb Smith. And then does sound like Justice Oluwashone is a game-time decision. If I'm reading between the lines, I view that as doubtful. Yeah. I think his injury might be long-term, but we'll see. Uh, And then Zion Nelson is a game-time that sounds doubtful to me. He's still working his way back from his setback uh, with his knee injury, um, unfortunately. So let's start there, though, injury-wise, right? I think yeah. that that probably means we're going to see Logan Sagapolo. Yeah. 
at right guard. I think he had a rough outing against North Carolina. I think Gene Chizik during the course of that game figured out he could attack that area on the line of scrimmage. I'm sure that showed up on the film for Virginia Tech and Brent Pry this week. Now Logan's had a whole week to prepare. It's different going into the game when you know you're a starter. Uh, you know, I, I do understand your head can be spinning when you when you're coming off the bench and thrown into the action, et cetera, et cetera. How concerned are you though about this right guard situation? Because look, I think it's fair to say, like, I'm not gonna sit here and say Justice Olowis Schoen has been good this year. I think he, you know, if we're if we're ranking Miami's five starting offensive linemen to this point. I think Justice is fifth. But at the same time, Justice, I think, is better than Logan. And he beat out Logan for that starting spot. So is it a concern in your mind? Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a concern um, just because, again, I do think that this is an aggressive front. And I think we saw that when North Carolina did get like when like North Carolina was able to generate that type of pressure on Miami, I feel like, you know, it, the scouting report might be out. You know, you you attack number 77, that right guard. And I know you, you can get to Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, you can penetrate that backfield. So, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that it's concerning if Logan Sagapolo is is the guy that's kind of out there. Um, I'm curious if them knowing for a week that Justice Oliver Sean is not ready is if, if they start like, you know, kind of trying to figure some other stuff out. I mean, I mean, Mario Cristobal keeps kind of raving about Inez Cooper. Is that someone that yeah. can come in and play right guard? Like he's at I'd least give a big, that a look. You know? I would. I mean, I would definitely uh, give that a look. I just put out a feeler out there as we were having this conversation to see if that's something that's possible, just because, you know, I do think that that's something that can make a lot of sense. I mean, they bring him in as like, you know, uh, you know, an, an extra tackle or, you know, he loves an inline, an inline tight end. Yeah. I mean, they've been raving about Inez Cooper since he got to campus. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think they said that they felt like he was one of those guys they needed to have when they first got here. So is that someone that's prepared to kind of start playing right guard? Uh, yeah, he, he can at least be a bigger body that can kind of move someone that I think that they've even worked that tackle. Uh, yes. so, you know, that's, that's an experiment I'm worth. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like that's worth kind of exploring, uh, in this game. Yeah. Right now. I mean, I would rather Zion's not good to go. Right. Like that's the issue. If Zion was good to go. Yeah. You could kick DJ in. He'd be a right tackle DJ. You kick inside. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, again, I don't think Virginia tech's front is the most ferocious front. It's solid. They can get some penetration and they'll throw some pressures at you. That'll make your head spin a little bit, but um, you know, North Carolina is not the most aggressive defense under Gene Chizik. Yeah. And even he was willing to send blitzes yeah. at Logan Sagapolo and had yeah. success. So we'll see if there's a, if there's an area to watch with Miami's offense, that's definitely one of them keys to the game. Where do you want to go with this? I'll let you start the convo. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just maybe just kind of keeping Tyler Van Dyke clean again. Like these guys want to be aggressive. Um, I think a big part of it is going to be getting the run game going again. I think I don't obviously it was a lot of fun to watch Tyler Van Dyke throw for 500 yards and all that stuff. But again, like, you know, I think they want to be more balanced. So I think a big key to this game is going to be getting the run game going. Uh, You kind of watch uh, Virginia Tech over the course of these these three games that they've lost. Uh, You know, everyone's gone for over. You know, all three of them, West Virginia, North Carolina and Pitt have gone for 160 yards or more uh, on them in the ground. So I think that this is an opportunity where Miami needs to kind of ramp up the run game. These guys need to kind of, you know, you know, kind of strap in and be ready to be physical at the point of attack because, uh, you know, they got to be able to grind out some yards on the ground to open up the pass game. Right. I don't think you want to just throw it because you have to. I think their bread and butter is getting into those third and shorts, those third and twos, third and ones. Uh, being able to kind of impose their will. You talk about how Virginia Tech kind of starts to back down in the second half of games. Um, you know, I think a lot of that is that, the, you know, teams that are just being kind of physical with them. And when you can run a team, when you can run on a team, you're going to gas out a team. And so
And so if you kind of put them in situations where they can just kind of feast and get after the quarterback, that's going to keep that Virginia Tech defense engaged. If you kind of keep them on their heels and kind of like know that they have to kind of back up, you know, protect the run, all that stuff, don't really know where they're going to hit you from. I think that's when Miami's at its best. And I think that's how you kind of get after this Virginia Tech defense. So on offense, the key to the game, I think, is just being balanced, establishing the run early and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, establishing that identity of, you know, we're the more physical team. I agree. I think I think that is important. I do want to see, though, like I, I think that approach that we saw against North Carolina needs to be the approach right. for the rest of the year because they did try early to establish the run and it just wasn't working. And so then they were like, all right, we can only move the ball passing it. So we're going to do that. They need to continue with that approach this whole season. You know, yeah. it's it's good to start trying to establish the run, see what you got there, but quickly come off it if it is yeah, if, if you're it's just not, if it's if not just there. running into the wall. So um I agree with you though. And I, I'll say this too, offensively, we've we've seen this a million times now. It is vitally important to get Tyler Van Dyke on a rhythm in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah. He's clearly a rhythm guy, and you know for whatever reason, it's a trend with him where when he gets off to a rough start in the first quarter, chances are like if you're live betting and it's a rough start for Tyler, you might want to bet on the Hokies because for whatever reason, Tyler doesn't usually win those games. Um, but yes, I agree. Um, we talked about the offensive line, how they need to handle the pressures uh, defensively. You know, for me, I'm just going to keep it simple. And and I just think, like, they got to just clean up the busts because yeah. we saw what that did in the second half against North Carolina. Um, the Middle Tennessee State game was a disaster in that regard. Yeah. And it's simple and easy to say, just don't bust in coverage. But that's where we're at right now with this defense. Um, and you can't. You cannot, like, at least North Carolina is an explosive offense. At least Middle Tennessee State runs an air raid. But this this Virginia Tech offense is kind of a plodding offense. And if you give them explosive because you busted, that's just inexcusable. Yeah. I would be surprised if we see some of those egregious busts this week. Um, but that's just kind of where I'm at. I think if 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 you don't give easy explosive plays to Virginia tech. I think they're going to have a hard time scoring against this Miami defense. So I'm going to keep it fairly simple on that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, the personnel is not even close to what they saw a week ago. Right. And in that second half against North Carolina, they gave up six points. I mean, no one got into the end zone. It was two field goals. Really one of the field goals came on, you know, I guess what could be considered a questionable, you know, you know, go for it, try on, on a fourth and two, um, that ended up leading to to that. So, you know, I mean, I think this, if the, I feel like this, this defense at this, is at the point now where like if you just don't make those just like ridiculous mental errors, you're going to be pretty good. I feel like there's enough on the defensive front where they're going to do their job. Um, you know, I feel like there's talent in the secondary where, you know, they can kind of get some stuff done. So, yeah, I think it's about not giving up those, you know, ridiculous plays like don't let Caleb Smith beat you for 60 yards. He's not that well, guy. If he does, it yeah. needs to be a spectacular contest. Right. Catch, exactly. Like make him like, action. yeah, exactly. It can't be one of those things where he's running, like someone's running by themselves, right. you know, with no defender within 15 yards of them. Like those things just can't keep happening. So again, I think that this game matches up pretty well for Miami, uh, you know, defensively. Um, and I do think that, you know, there's going to be an opportunity to have a, a pretty, a pretty big game. And then also, too, I, I want to bring up, I think this is a game, like, if Virginia Tech wins this game, what does that look like? I think if that happens, a lot of it has to do with the momentum of Lane Stadium. So, yeah. you know, in that regard, I think the field position battle is going to be important. Turnovers going to be important. Penalties. Um, those hidden yardage and and those those possession battles within the game. That's how a team like Virginia Tech hangs around, I think, in this game. And Miami needs to be on point on the road. This is really 
this is their only only their second road game right of the season so yeah um you know there's still some some stuff to iron out in that regard yeah, I mean, again, I, and I think it's good that they've already been up to College Station. I've kind of experienced right. one of those big hostile environments, so I think that that's why and they I'm handled kind of, those things. Yeah, there. So. Yeah, they definitely did. So I feel like the environment is something they should be they should be prepared for. Uh, not exactly sure what the. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know, David. I don't know what the ex- expected. You know, come out. I've seen sellout like on for social 12, media for twelve thirty. I think that's what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean, it is a day game, which it yeah, is. A, you never know. You know, a night game at Lane Stadium is way different than a yeah, day game. Yeah, super different. So, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I'm encouraged that they can kind of handle the atmosphere. Twelve thirty, sun's out. You know, just kind of all that stuff. Sleepy. I, I th- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't get off the bus sleepy. But, um, I mean, what, whatever it is, I mean, I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that they can you know handle all that stuff. So let's see again. But if it gets bad, if it gets bad early, if Tyler Van Dyke make you know makes some early mistakes and kind of gets into a rut, that's when that environment can kind of start caving right. in on you. We saw how that happened even like in Texas A&M when Tyreek Stevenson dropped the fumble. Texas A&M Correct. got the ball back. They scored that just got, I mean, David, you're yep. up there. I'm sure that's when the press box started shaking and all that it's stuff. the momentum. And, yeah. Yeah. That I was... mean, those are the things that matters. Don't give that crowd a reason to get re-energized, you know, at right. by 115, 130, you know, an hour into the game. Yep. Momentum matters in college football. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. How about matchup we like most from a Miami standpoint? Is there anything that you got circled? Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I got my just Miami's front, like that defensive front against Virginia Tech's offensive line. It's something I kind of hinted at earlier. I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for those guys to kind of just control the line of scrimmage. I think that that's going to be a big deal in this game, kind of generate those pressures. Um, you know, even though even if they, you know, they go four man, if they're able to bring in another another guy, you know, do those four or five man blitzes. Um, I think that that should be enough. And, you know, again, it's about making Grant Wells uncomfortable about stopping the run. And I think if you can do those two things, I mean, the Virginia Tech's going to have a hard time, you know, you know, chugging the ball downfield and, uh, you know, kind of methodically moving the sticks and all that type of stuff. So those getting them in those third and long situations where they have been great at converting and just yeah. you know putting them and putting your defense in a position to just be successful i do think that that starts with you know controlling the line of scrimmage and you know the personnel that miami has up there and how they rotate them in i think could be a lot for virginia tech to handle because i'm not sure if they've seen a team this year that could really just throw dudes out like that um so i'm, yeah. I'm encouraged by the by them being able to to handle that on paper miami's defensive line should win that battle i agree yeah. uh I think, you know, there's been an interesting trend here the last two games for Virginia Tech's defense in which they've struggled to handle opposing tight ends. So Pittsburgh's Gavin Bartholomew and Carter Johnson, who are solid, they're not like a huge part of that Pittsburgh offense, but they're solid complementary options. They caught four of six targets for 55 yards, converted some key first downs for them. And then two weeks ago, North Carolina's tight ends went off against uh, Virginia Tech. Bryson Nesbitt caught all four of his targets for 98 yards and a touchdown. Kamari Morales caught three of four targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. And John Copenhaver caught both targets for 35 yards. So those three North Carolina tight ends basically added up to 150 yards and two touchdowns on the day. So, you know, I'm looking at Will Mallory and Jaleel Skinner. You know, I don't think it's fair to expect 150 yard type performance, but I think they can have a productive game. I'm not sure Virginia Tech's linebackers are all that effective in coverage. Um, And so to me, that's an area that can be exploited, especially too, because I do think Virginia Tech's corners are good enough to give Miami's receivers some issues. Um, that's another thing to watch, I think, on Saturday is is can Miami's receivers get loose against this Virginia Tech secondary? Because it was encouraging uh, what Miami did through the air against North Carolina. But North Carolina plays a lot of off coverage. And, uh, you know, they're also not the best secondary in yeah. the ACC. So I think the tight ends can potentially have a, a pretty productive day on Saturday. Yeah, no, about, I mean, yeah, go ahead. What about a matchup that worries you most? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's Virginia Tech's maybe front seven. I think it's like the opposite, you know, like Virginia Tech's like, you know, front against Miami's offensive line that again, I think there's been similar struggles with the run game. Um, you know, again, I think they play that kind of a, a sort of a, attacking style where they can kind of get after it. Uh, you know, I think they have a lot of interesting body types where, you know, they can potentially clog up some run lanes. Um, you know, again, I, I'm hopeful that uh Miami can kind of make things happen, kind of change things around in the whole in the in the run game. But I do think that, you know, they kind of play it seems like they play aggressively. It's like they 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 I feel like when they do play well, you know, that they can be really good. I think they're, you know, top. I mean, they're God, I had it written down here that they're one of the best teams at like, you know, with the tackles for loss and stuff like that. I think they're yeah, gosh, I literally had it written they're down. They're top here. twenty, I think, seven point two per game. Yeah, I mean, I think like of, of the teams on Miami's schedule, I think only Middle Tennessee is generating more tackles per loss, uh, uh, talk, tackles for loss per game, uh, right. than Virginia Tech. So, I mean, there's not def- go well in that game, you know, exactly. No, and Virginia, game, so. I mean, Middle Tennessee obviously had their way. So, I do think that Virginia Tech can it potentially, can yeah. be, exactly, just be frustrating, um, you know, in that, in that front seven. And I think a lot of those guys, again, there's some experience, there's some older guys on there. Uh, some young ones too, but they do have some bodies on the defensive front also. And again, Miami has struggled against the run and they have struggled with some pressure. So if they start if Brent Pry, who's a defensive minded head coach, he's coming, he came over from Penn state where he was a defensive coordinator. Uh, if he starts dialing up some pressures, which, uh, you know, he potentially could as one of those types of dudes, uh, you know, I could see things getting complicated, especially if there's a Logan Sagapolo that's playing right guard, or if Miami just shows signs that they're going to, kind of struggle with the same things that they did in uh, against North Carolina. Yeah, for me, you know, it's it's kind of what I alluded to most. I think, you know, you throw for almost 500 yards. I think there's an expectation that you're going to go out and, and and the passing game success is going to continue. I think they're I think they're getting on track and I think it was it was very encouraging to see that performance against North Carolina. But I still need to see the receivers come out and do it again. I need to see them create some separation against these Virginia Tech DBs that are a step up in caliber from North Carolina's DBs. Um, and so that's, I don't know if concern is it, or worried is the way to phrase it, but I, I, I am watching the receivers. I think, you know, to me, I mentioned the tight ends. I think if Xavier Restrepo was was good to go in this game too, like Virginia Tech would struggle with him out of the slot in this game as well. So it's unfortunate they don't have him, but um, you know we saw Miami's receivers step up against North Carolina. I'm interested to see if they can do it again against Virginia Tech, who has a better caliber secondary. Yeah. Um, potential. Oh, sorry. Guy that needs to step up. Who are you going with? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. I think it's Tyreek Stevenson. If he's the guy that's matched up on Caleb Smith, um, you know, again, that's a guy that that's that's a potential big play wide receiver. Um, I do think it's opportunity for kind of a bounce back game for the secondary. So I'm kind of looking at Tyreek Stevenson or if it's CJ Ivy, um, looking at Cam Kitchens if they're running some like more cover two stuff, uh, no busts in coverage, uh, you know, kind of you know. You know, hold on to that assignment. Know, know what you're what you're responsible for. Hold that down. And you know, again, if it's Tyreek Stevenson on Caleb Smith, I do think that that's a, a matchup I'm going to have my eye on. So I'm hoping that uh, you know, he can you know take that next step or just step up in that game and and be able to kind of take away Grant Wells' number one target. Yeah. So Tyreek was my potential player of the game for those reasons you said. So that's a good pick. My guy that needs to step up. I'm going with Henry Parrish. You know, yeah. I. I I think the run game is going to get figured out eventually. Um, and I think he's Miami's best back. And uh, this is a, this is an opportunity to get it going. You know, I don't think Virginia tech's run defense is as bad as they showed last week against Pittsburgh. Same. Yeah. But there's obviously some, something there to exploit. And um, you know, Miami, I think needs to be, relatively patient with establishing the run. I think Pittsburgh kind of was patient with it. Um, And Henry Parrish needs to get back on track. So I'm going to highlight him. Some sports line over unders CBS sports line provided these numbers. Um, So I want to get your thoughts, Gabby, on if you think 
you'd bet over or under on these numbers. Tyler Van Dyke, 298 passing yards. I'm, I'm going with the over, man. He almost got that in the first half against North Carolina. I'm, 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 I'm going to ride the Tyler Van Dyke train, man. And uh, I think he starts to string together some of these performances. I feel like the one uh, he needed, he got against North Carolina. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, he kind of just starts to stack some quality performances and we start to see more of the Tyler Van Dyke we saw in 2021. So I'm going to go over 298 passing yards. Same. Henry Parrish, 49 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I got to go over too, man. I mean, just kind of looking at the all of, uh, at the numbers against, you know, these past few opponents. I mean, even, I mean, North Carolina, I think, is the one that they kind of held the running backs in that area. I think Omarion Hampton was the running back that led. I think it was like 39 yards or something like that. But Drake May had 73. Um, so it was it was a weird performance. But, uh, you know, I do think that I could see the under hitting there, but I'm going to go over 49 yards just with the hope that, uh, you know, Henry Parrish just kind of gets it going. I'm going to go over to Will Mallory, 50 yards. Yeah. I mean, you talked about how Bryce Nesbitt, you know, kind of did his thing. How uh, Morales at North Carolina kind of did his thing, too, against – against uh this virginia tech defense i do think that the tight ends is is a place where you know miami could find success uh did we see the will mallory game or was that kind of a flash of you know what we're gonna see from him in the future obviously the staff has been very high on him uh since they got here uh i'm gonna i'm gonna lean that way that you know we're just kind of starting to scratch the surface of what will mallory could potentially be in this offense there's no elijah royo Give me a lot. Give me Will Mallory over 50 yards in this game. Let's keep it positive. I'm I'm with you over under three and a half sacks allowed by Miami. I'm going to go under. I mean, I don't know. I guess we're staying on the positive train. I'm going to I'm going to go under, um, you know, again, I think that this is a strong pass, a pass protection team. Logan Sagapolo scares me. Um, you know, that's I, I think three and a half is a fair number. I'm gonna go under just because, you know, I don't know. I just feel like four sacks would be a lot. And, you know, I don't think that they've put together some of those like insane sack performances so far. So I'm gonna go under three and a half sacks allowed. I'm gonna go over. I think Ooh. four can happen. Yeah. Betting Let's line. See. Last I looked, Miami was a seven point favorite. And the over under is at 46 and a half. So Miami's a touchdown favorite and the expected point is fairly low. Um, let's start with Miami as a seven point favorite. Which side of that would you take? God, I really, really don't want to take Miami minus seven because I feel like they've been so bad against the spread. They have. Been. Um, they've been terrible but I feel like you can't go over against the spread either. Right. Like, I feel like you can't go winless against the spread. Yeah, you can, you can, but hopefully you don't. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Miami minus seven, man. I don't feel great about it, but I do think that this is a game that they can win by a touchdown or more, you know, so, or yeah. more than a touchdown, I guess. So, I mean, I'm optimistic there, so I'm going to take Miami minus seven. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm on the same page as you. I wouldn't bet this, but my prediction says take Miami minus seven. So if for some reason you listen to this and do what we say, please don't. But, yeah, don't but do that. That's where I would bet. What about the over-under? Because that's pretty low. Um, But both of these offenses have had games in which they've struggled mightily. Yeah. What do you make of 46 and a half? Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like it's tough. Like, I, I just kind of drew out a prediction in my head, and I guess I'm basing it off that. So I guess I'm taking the over slightly. Um, but yeah, it's like, again, I would, I'm, if I'm betting this game, like, I would just rather not. Like, I feel like it's easier for me to just say this than actually say Coastal hey, Division. Gonna, yeah, Coastal don't Division Madness, man. It's not worth it. Uh, <laughs> I guess I would take my prediction says I'm taking the over. So I guess I'm taking the over. My prediction says that too. All right, time for the prediction. Let's do what it. do you got? I'm going to go. I think Miami wins this game 31-17. Um, you know, I think that 
you know, th- th- I think this is a, this is a winnable game on the road. They got to get so- someone's got to break out of this three game funk. Um, it's kind of like a midseason toilet bowl in some in some ways where it's just like two teams that just haven't been able to really figure it out or find themselves on the win column. Um, I do think that, you know, this is a game that Miami should win. And, you know, I do think that it, the opportunity presents itself for for a big bounce back. Um, the schedule plays out over the next few weeks pretty favorably. I think that this could be kind of the start of maybe the second half of the of the season where you can just kind of be like, all right, you know, this happened. You know, we need to turn the page. We need to move forward at this point. You know, Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia, Florida State. You know, I think, the, I mean, those are four winnable games, but really these next three, I think whoa, you need to find a way whoa. to get on a roll. I see what you did there. Yeah. But, see what you did there. Yeah, I, I think they need to kind of go. I think they need to kind of just start building some downhill momentum before that November fifth matchup. I think Virginia Tech is the start of that, and they got to come out of Blacksburg, out of Lane Stadium with a win. Yeah, I think to you know where I'm at honestly is like just win the game. Yeah. It can be ugly. Doesn't you don't have to go out and uh, beat Virginia Tech by a big margin. This team just needs a win. And so to me, that's what matters most with this game right now. Get those positive vibes rolling in the win column. But if I am making a score prediction, we're, I think we're the same margin, uh, different score. Miami 34, Virginia Tech 20 is what I'm going with. Um, We'll see. I mean, again, I think on paper, Miami is the much better team. Will Miami play that way on Saturday? I think that's to be determined. Uh, I was encouraged by the way Miami figured some things out in the second half of that North Carolina game. Yeah. Can that carry over to this Virginia Tech game? We'll see. Every game is its own entity. Um, But to me, again, if Miami won on Saturday three to two, I'm here for it. So find a way to win. What about three three overtime with Frank Beamer's hands just like you want to you want to see Mario Chris Ball double fist pumping with for a three three overtime? If they win, sure. It's fine. I'm about right. it, man. Let's see. Get a win. Let's get a win. The rest of this month can be nice, but the first step of doing that is getting a win at Blacksburg, Virginia. So again. Uh, 12.30 kick. Check your local listings for this toilet bowl, as Gabby called it. <laughs> and until next time, take care.